You're listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Today, we're taking a break from what we have been doing. We've been studying through Paul's letter to the Colossians. Next week, we're going to finish that study. And then, the week after that, we're going to start, on September 11th, we're going to start a new study in a book of the Old Testament. I'm not going to tell you which one. You're just going to have to show up and find out. I'm just going to keep that tension super high. All right? So be there. Be square. It's going to be great. Starting September 11th, new series back in the Old Testament. Okay, today we have a special guest uh, with us. His name is George Markey. And George is a pastor of Calvary Chapel in Kiev, Ukraine. Now, George will tell you a little bit about his story. He's been in Ukraine for quite a while. And during the time that I was in Hungary, you know, George was a friend and he was a fellow worker for the gospel. I was, we were working in Hungary. They were in Ukraine, but we would see each other pretty often. We even got to do some stuff together, both in Kiev and another town that he was in before. So I'm very glad to have him here. They're passing through the U.S. They just had a baby a couple weeks ago, and they were passing from Indiana to California, we just happen to be right in the middle. So we're very happy to have them here today. George is going to be sharing the word with us, so give him a big Whitefields welcome, eh? Well, thank you. I know Nick loves me because he, he's let me use his iPad stand. So. But yeah, we've been here in the States um, since the beginning of July. And uh, we had our uh, fifth child uh, in the States about a month ago. Another boy. We have five boys. They keep us pretty busy. Let me just make this thing right. But we, we have been in Ukraine for uh, quite a while. Yeah, we've been there since 1992, and um, so that's 24 years now, or I have been. My wife's been there ever since we've been married, which, has been, which is 13 years, going on 14. Yeah, it's just been a blessing to be there. Um, it's something that I never would have chosen for myself. Um, actually, the one thing I, I didn't want to be was a missionary. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Uh, but now it's the thing I, I just I'm so, uh, feel so privileged to be, to be able to be doing this. You know, I, people will ask, well, isn't it such a sacrifice you're making? And I don't feel like it is. I, I really do. It's, there's, are there, there are the difficulties, uh, sure, but um, we feel so blessed to be able to be doing what we're doing. And again, I'm just, it's wonderful to be here. I'm, I'm here for the first time. My wife is here for the first time in Colorado. And you have a beautiful state. We've just been enjoying ourselves. We really thank Travis and Amy for having us up at their, um, at their cabin in Estes Park. Uh, getting to see elk and all these things and the beautiful mountains. Um, but um, yeah, I'd like to just share a little bit this morning, uh, just uh, some of the experiences we've, we've had recently. Um, you know, I, we went over there, I went over there in 1992. I was a 16-year-old boy, and um, again, I wasn't really wanting to go over there, but my parents just had a burden. Uh, at that time, the Soviet Union had just collapsed, and the, the doors were wide open. People were hungry you know, to know about God. People were, were coming to Christ, but there were not very many there uh, to pastor them, to disciple them. So my dad got the call. Uh, he told us kids, there, there were eight of us in, our, in the family at that time. Now there's nine of us, nine kids. And I'm the oldest of my twin sister. And I wasn't excited about the news, but uh, my dad said, hey, let's just make a year commitment. Can you just pray about that? I did. And reluctantly, I agreed to a year, maybe foolishly. I didn't realize it was going to turn into 24 years. But, you know, I, I, again, I was... I was 16, you know, I just started dating. I just had a, got a car. You know, life was just beginning for me. And now to be moved to this other country I knew nothing about. So we moved over there in 1992, you know. And, and so I, I went to, you know, long story short, I, be, I just began to like living there and seeing God work there. Went through high school. I took a year in high school. Went through university there and just re- realized I wanna, I'm called here. I want to be here. So I stayed on. And then I met my wife, and that's another story. 
um, actually our parents kind of put us together. We, and we moved to, she moved with me to Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. Then um, a few years later, we moved to another city called Chernobyl, uh, which is not to be confused with Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl is the, the, the city where the, one of the worst nuclear disasters in history happened. It's Chernobyl, kind of the further from, um, kind of far from Chernobyl. We're actually closer now in Kiev. But Chernobyl, we were there for eight years, planted at Calvary. And just a year ago, we moved back to Kiev. And my brother now, one of my brothers, is pastoring in, in Chernobyl. Um, but what brought us to Kiev was maybe something not so good. Um, a close friend of mine, he was uh, the pastor there. Uh, my dad had planted the church in Kiev. He had been there for 14 years and turned it over to a Ukrainian. Just a, a little over a year ago, he, my, this, this friend of mine called me and he said, you know, I've, I, I want to apologize to you. I've, de- I've deceived you. Um, I've been seeing another woman. Um, and it, and we, it turned out it had been for three and a half years. He'd been cheating on his wife as the pastor. And um, it was just a blow to me. You know, he was such an example to many of the Calvary chapels there, to, to other churches. And to see him fall is just, uh, just broke my heart. But the good news is he and his wife are together. They're working, out, they're working on their marriage. Uh, they're going through this difficult time, and I'm really proud of them. Um, but you can keep them in your prayers. When we heard this news, we realized we need to go back to Kiev. It, it, God had been preparing our hearts. God had spoken it to other people that we need to go back and to pastor the church for this time. We, don't know, we didn't know at the time how long that would be. We still don't know. But um, we went back to this church. Um, and at first, we, would, we were making trips. For two months, we would, we would go back and forth. Our four boys would stay in Chernobyl, and uh, thankfully God had provided for a nanny at that time. Um, and then two months later, we moved. And it was a challenging time. It's been a challenging, probably the hardest year in our, of our lives in ministry, but one of the richest. Um, you know, we came in and, and just, you know, what do you do? How do you minister to people who have experienced this? The, the, the trust, you know, of the, they had for their pastor has been broken. You know, people are wondering, what's next? What do we do next? How do we act? You know, and we came back in just not knowing, you know, how are we going to minister to these people? What are we going to say? You know, I wanted to go back in, you know, as somebody they could look to and, and feel comforted by. And, and look, oh, this is the guy. He's going to take us through this. But we felt anything but that. <laughs> and actually, right before that, um, maybe a few, I think a week before, I began having um, health issues. And I found out I was um, pre-diabetic and then had, started having digestive issues. And, and just physically, I felt weak. Uh, let alone spiritually, I, f- I just felt going back into this thing that I'm not ready. Um, and, but we found that we, God had us right where we, He wanted us to be. That's how He wanted us to go into this thing. And I've been learning more and more through this that uh, truly God's strength is made perfect in weakness. So, so I want to read my text this morning and just share some of the things we've learned going through this, this um, season in our life. This is, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verses 6 through 10. Though I w- would wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was giving me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We're going to see, I'm going to point three things out to you um, as we go through this passage. Um, the first is that God, in these trials, in these difficulties we face, He's good. And He's doing it. He's, he's, he's bringing us through these things for our good. Secondly, it's to show us His favor. And thirdly, through us, He wants to show His favor to the world and His power. So first of all, He shows us His goodness. Secondly, He shows us His favor. And thirdly, He shows His favor to the world. Now, Paul was an amazing guy. <laughs> he could boast about many things. And actually, at the beginning of this chapter, he was speaking, he was hinting that he had seen heaven. And he, and that's, he, he mentions that in 6, he said, I would, I, I would like to boast about it. And it would be the truth. And, many, and, and we know, of course, many that have supposedly seen heaven, yeah, they write books about it. They love to boast of that. But, but, but uh, Paul says, I wouldn't be a fool. I'm not going to boast of that. But I will boast more, more of my weaknesses. And so Paul, he's telling us about a, a, a severe trial he had been going through, and he was going through. And that was, um, we don't know exactly what it was, but um, it was a thorn in the flesh, as he describes it. Uh, many think it was his eyesight, you know, that he had poor eyesight. We find that we make, can make that inference from other passages. So, you know, and I believe that probably what, what it was, it was this physical ailment that it, 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 he couldn't see very well. And so, and you would think this great missionary, this great writer, um, surely God would give him good eyesight, you know, so he could go and make these, he could travel, so he could write these amazing letters that he wrote. Um, but God took that away from him. He gave him this handicap. Um, and Paul received it from the Lord. He asked three times, of course. He, said, he asked the Lord that he would remove it from him. Um, and uh, have, have, has there been anything in your life where you've said, Lord, please take this away from me? You know, why is this happening to me? Or why now? And maybe you've also been met with a, a no or maybe just silence. Um, you know, I, I've, I've faced that before. You know, and, and in this trial that we went, we've gone, been going through, I've many times asked, Lord, why, why me? Why now? You know, I'm serving you. I'm going into this thing. I need to be strong. But looking at Paul, you know, I can be encouraged that God refused him. And it was for his good, to keep him humble, for one thing. And secondly, it was to, to encourage other people. And, and you know, um, God has our best in mind, uh, always. You know, he, he is a good father. We, we don't know, we don't understand everything we go through, why we go through it. Maybe we won't, won't until we get to heaven, but we can know one thing, that he is, he is good, that he is allowing this in our lives he, to, for, for a purpose. And, often, and I actually thank the Lord that he doesn't always answer my prayer, yes. <laughs> I actually thank him more for the prayers where he said no because I realized that what I was asking for was not what I really needed. You know, my, I, have, I have five children, like I said, and, you know, if they had their way in the house, um, things wouldn't go that well. <laughs> you know, they'd have candy for breakfast, candy for lunch, candy for dinner, you know, and soon they'd be toothless, right, and poor health and everything like that. Um, you know, so we don't give them everything they ask for. You know, we love it when we can, you know, when we know this is good for them, so let's give it to them. But, uh, and they don't always understand. But we have, even though we're, we're not the best parents, you know, 
we, we want to bless them. How much more? Our Heavenly Father, who's the greatest parent, the greatest father, he wants to bless us. And, and truly, when, um, when we make a request, Jesus always gives us that which we would ask for if we knew everything he knew. So when we pray, we can be confident that when, and I'll say it again, when Jesus always gives us what we ask for, what we would ask for if we knew everything he knows. So God, he has our, our best in mind. It says, as we sang this morning, right, that he works out everything for our good. And that brings me to the second point. We, through weaknesses, through trials, we actually come to know God's favor in, in deeper in greater ways. It kind of seems like a paradox. But, I, but as, as, as Paul puts it here, you know, he heard, you know, as, as Jesus said no to him, and actually, actually let me back up one, one more, one, one moment here. You know, there's one other person that was refused. And this can also bring comfort to us. Besides Paul, one greater than Paul, God said no to his request. God the Father. Who was that? Uh, Jesus, right? And how many times did he ask? <laughs> Three times. In the garden of Gethsemane, he poured out his heart. He was so in such agony. He was sweating drops of blood. And, you know, it's some things we probably can't fathom, can't understand completely. He says, Abba, Father, you know, Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. You know, Jesus actually asked that he not have to go through, not go to the cross, not go through this suffering, not go through the separation from the Father. And God the Father said no three times. And it was, it was for our good that we might know that we, will ne- we are never rejected. Whenever we come to the Father, He always receives us. Jesus was rejected that we might know that we are always received. God the Father turned His face from Jesus on the cross. He forsa- forsook Him. You know, that, rela- that relationship they had from eternity, from all eternity, was broken at that point. And Jesus cried out, you know, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So God turned his face from him. He forsook him that we might know that we are never forsaken. He is always with us. So we we find that in our trials, he favors us. He loves us. And Paul learned that. He said, you know, Jesus told him at this point, my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness. And my wife would agree with me here that through this time, I've, we've come to know the grace of God like never before. I've actually wondered, did I ever actually get his grace before? Probably in a year from now, I'll say the same thing. Did I really know it then? It is so deep. And trials show us that. They, they, they show us God's grace. How, how is that? Well, I think in several ways. One is that they show our false perception of God. They reveal, really, our legalistic attitudes. You know, we all tend to be legalistic. We tend to look at God and think, okay, God, I'm going to earn your favor, you know, or, or I, I have earned your favor. And, and, and it's, it's revealed when, whenever we uh, face hardships, we say, God, why me? <laughs> what are we saying? Well, I don't deserve this. You know, I've been a good Christian. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for a long time, or, you know, I'm, I'm serving you, so I don't, I, I don't deserve this. But what we're we're looking at God as somebody who rewards us for good things or, or punishes us for bad things. We fail to realize really how much he loves us and how really we don't deserve anything, but he gives us everything. Um, I have a, there's a, um, we have a couple of good friends in um, the Budapest 
Calvary Chapel. And um, they're, they were on the worship team. I think maybe she is still, but um, her husband uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and, he's, and they're going through this thing. It's been difficult, but I got to talk with her once, um, the wife. And we just kind of happened to meet at the Calvary Chapel, and she was saying, you know what? I realized going through this that my relationship with the Lord was so shallow. For months I was questioning God, like, God, why us? But I began to see his grace, that really I, I didn't relate to him, you know, knowing his favor. And, you know, God, he, he, does, he gives us so much more. Um, he gives us what we don't deserve. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 for a second. Just to see really God's favor for us. Um, this is the passage, of course, where it says that all things work together for our good. And here in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, to, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Uh, it's amazing. God is for us all the time. Even when we're complaining, even when we're in sin. And, and I just as we sang this morning too, he, God did not spare his own son, but he gave, up, gave him up for us. That truly does show us his attitude towards us. You know, he gave us, he gave up his son, the most precious thing he had. And as it says here, you know, if he gave up his son, how will he not give us all things? You know, this morning, how do you picture God? You know, when you think of him and you think of God thinking of you or, or mentioning your name, you know, like, I don't know. Joe or John or Susie, Sally, you know, when he mentions your name, what, what do you think of? What, what is this expression on his face? Is it one of like, oh man, that, that George or that, you know, Susie, oh, if they could just try a little bit harder, then maybe I'd be happy with them. Or again, you know, how many times do I have to put up with this? Or if you, if you think, if that's your impression or that, if that's your, your um, idea of God, well, then you really don't know the God of the Bible. He loves us, always, even when we're, when we're bad, even when we're not pleasing Him, when we're selfish. Because he, he gave, when we were enemies, He gave up His Son for us. And if He gave up His Son, how will He not give us all things? Who can condemn us? You know, it's Christ that has justified us. You know, on the cross, something amazing happened. Actually, Two exchanges happened. <laughs> or, or, uh, yeah. uh, one was that he gave, we gave him, he took, us, he took our sin upon him, our shame, our ugliness, he took upon himself on the cross. He died for that. He took the punishment for our sin. And another thing happened. He gave us his righteousness. You know, when God looks at us now, he sees us as, as, as if we'd never sinned, but also he sees us as one's who are completely obedient, like Jesus Christ, because we are in Jesus. You know, I love the scene where um, John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus, and as Jesus comes up from the water, 
the Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. The, the voice from the, of the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And you know what? He says that of each one of us. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased because we're in Jesus. He's completely pleased with you. Do you believe that? <laughs> if you don't, just think, of, think about that for a while. He is completely pleased with you. You know, something, you know, to, I think to bring a smile to, to your face when you get up in the morning. It brings one to mind. You know, and I think, you know, even though maybe I'm, you know, I've, I've maybe not been perfect with my kids, with my wife, I've maybe yelled at them. I do that. Uh, I have to admit, I get upset with them because they, you know, invade in my um, privacy or, my, or, you know, uh, take, you know, I'm thinking about my comfort. Even at that point, God is saying, I'm pleased with you. You're my son. Going into this trial in Kiev, you know, it was very important um, that we knew that. You know, it, it was something that I came to know, to, to, to understand more, that even if I fail at this, even if I come to this thing and, you know, I, I just completely fail, God is going to say, you're, you're okay, I love you, you're my son. And so God brings us into these trials to shake up what we really trust in, to shake up our identity. Because, you know, I was going into this thinking, Okay, I'm the pastor. I'm the one to fix this. Or, you know, coming here to the States, I'm a missionary, so that's who I am. Or, and we all have these things that we think we are, that, that, that identifies us. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our, uh, we're a parent or this or that. You know, but those things are temporary. Those things change. You know, maybe one day I won't be a pastor. Maybe one day we'll move back to the States, God forbid. <laughs> we love being over there. But you know what? There's one thing I'll never quit being, and that is a son of God, a child of his, a beloved child of his. And the same thing for you. you can, if you've given your life to Jesus, you can be sure he's always going to love you. You're always going to be a son, his daughter. He's always, he's always going to look at you with love because Jesus paid the price for us. And you know, that gives us a reason to get up in the morning. That gives us a reason to live and to, to serve others. You know, um, this morning, we, we, you know, we were out at Estes Park and... Uh, we had, we had planned, you know, that, okay, we're going to get up. Yesterday we planned this, that, okay, we're going to get up in the morning uh, early. We're going to go out with our, you know, cup of tea, just look and enjoy nature, watch the elk if they're going to be out there. We saw them yesterday. And, you know, we're, we, and, we, and we also bought the kids their cereal that they like. We had it all set up, you know, so they wouldn't bother us. You know, they were going to be happy eating, you know, because they get up in the morning and the boys are saying, first thing they ask for is, Dad, I don't want to eat, <laughs> you know. Um, so we, we had it all ready. We had it all planned. And uh, just completely <laughs> went, went opposite what we planned. But, you know, we, we got up and getting ready for a tea. And then, you know, then the kids start fighting. You know, then they start complaining. And, you know, I was getting frustrated. You know, we, we had planned everything for their good, it seemed, right? Actually, it was for our good. We wanted peace and quiet. <laughs> um, anyway, but, but I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, yeah, I love them. I want what's best for them. But I also think... I think about me, first of all, right? I think about my comfort. And, and even and how much more, God, he's the perfect father. He is thinking about our good. Our, he, it says in the Bible that his thoughts toward us are greater than the sands of the sea. He's always thinking about us. He's, as we read here, it says, Jesus not only gave his life for us, but what is he doing? What is Jesus doing right now? Is he looking at down us and saying, uh, are you listening to this sermon? You know, <laughs> or, you know, have you been good? No, what is he doing? It says here in verse 34 that he died, but more than that, what can be more than that? 
He was raised. He is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Right now, Jesus, for each one of you, those of you given, if you've given your heart to him, he's up there right now mentioning you before the Father in a good way. You know, saying, yeah, that's my son, that's my daughter. I've, he's, he's perfect, isn't he? You know, because you know, I, 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 my blood covers him. Um, so Jesus live, ever lives to intercede for us. That's what his life is about, you know. We, we kind of feel like that as parents, right? Our life is for our kids often, you know. We, sometimes we want to get away and have a life of our own for a bit. But Jesus, he doesn't have those thoughts. He lives for us. He died for us and he lives for us. Isn't that amazing? You know, and so you know, that is what gets us through these trials. That's actually what, you know, again, these trials, they, they're, they're for us to shake us up, to show us who are we, you know, how do we really view God? Do we really know that he loves us? And uh, that's what he wants us to see. You know, um, with, with, I was mentioning my health, too. Going through these trials, it also got me to see that how much I depended on that, how much I wanted to control that. You know, I, I found out I'm, I'm actually a control freak, you know. I, 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 I am, um, I care about my health, you know. I, I want to eat healthily. I exercise. And then I had these health problems. I'm thinking, why me? I'm the one that really, you know, I look at these other guys, you know, they don't care about their health and they're doing fine. They can eat, you know, a dozen donuts and their blood sugar is great. You know, it's like, why me? And I'm, I'm healthy. You know, I try to be healthy, you know. But I began to realize, well, this, this is an idol in my life. It's something I want to control. I want to, if I do this, then I'm, you know, I'm this way and I can be healthy. And actually, I, I found myself getting angry and frustrated with, with this thing. And, and, um, and God began to show me that it's, it's more important than him, you know. I began, he began to show me that I'm not giving the control, control up to him, you know. And God shakes those things. He shows us. Actually, coming to the States... Um, as we were getting ready to come to the States, my wife was eight, eight, was eight months pregnant. You know, we had, we had planned it out um, because um, we had a family reunion right before that in Hungary, and so we didn't want to miss that. So we thought, well, eight months is okay. We'll, we'll make it to the States. You know, we've always, she's always been on time or late with her pregnancies. Um, so, and as the time was approaching, you know, for us to leave, she was getting more nervous and nervous. And my wife, she's not a person to worry, really. And I began to think, you know, hey, I'm getting this down, you know, I'm, this not worry bit. I'm getting it down. I'm actually doing better than Sharon is, you know. And you know, I was actually telling her, you know, hey, just you know, trust God. It's all going to be fine. And, you know, and so we get on the plane and she's worried. You know, what, what if I had the baby here? But once we got to the States, she was, she was calm. Okay, we're here. Everything's fine. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, then I began to worry, you know. And I, I began to worry because, you know, I'm not in my environment, you know, and I'm worried about, okay, what if something happens? How will I take care of the kids? You know, I'm, you know, you know, finances and all this stuff, and, um, and I began to say, okay, yeah, okay, God, I'm, I, had to, I had to repent before my wife, before God. I still worry, you know, and, I, I, and it's because, again, I'm not, I don't really know, I don't really believe that God is going to take care of me. You know, it's really, a, it's a lack of, of belief that God is, is, is good. Um, I think I'm doing better, though. <laughs> I'm worrying less, but you can pray for me. But, you know, God shows us these things. He brings us these trials, you know, to show us where is your heart. You know, where, where do you find your trust? Where do you find your identity? You know, and when we worry, when we get stressed out, it shows us there's something there that we're trusting in, something in we're, um, I don't know, maybe we're putting our identity in, and it's not in Jesus. So these trials, they're blessings. They're to show us these things that we might come to Jesus and say, Jesus, yes, you're not everything to me. 
be everything to me. And then, and, he, and he's faithful. As he says here, he promises Paul, and we're back in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, I'm, my, um, my grace is sufficient for you. And it's true. His grace is sufficient. It's more than sufficient. It's, 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 it's absolutely amazing. He loves us so much. And so that was my second point, right? My third point is then that God wants to reveal his grace and his power to the world through us, through weakness. Now, my, the title of my sermon is Strength in Weakness. I, I would really like it to be um, weakness, then strength. You know, or, you know, I, I would like to say, yeah, I was weak, but now I'm strong. Now everything's great, right? And that's, that's what happens often in the movies, right? This guy who's a weakling, you know, and um, he faces incredible obstacles, you know, and then he starts, you know, training and all this stuff. I don't know if you saw Karate Kid, that might date me, but, you know, he trains and then he, he, he's this he's, he's amazing fighting machine, you know? You know, that's not the way it works. <laughs> because we're, we're not the hero, right? Who's the hero? You know, it's Jesus, right? He's always the hero. So we have to be weak. <laughs> Actually, it is like the movies. God, he, he chooses us because he wants to show himself strong. It's like, you know, in the movies where this, the, the hero is he's, uh, stacked up against in, impossible odds, you know. You know, there's a thousand people shooting at him and just somehow they, they just seem to miss every time. And he has, you know, his, both of his legs are broken. You know, he's, he's just bleeding and everything. And, but, you know, somehow this guy's going to pull it off, right? He's the hero. You know what? Well, God, it, it, this, is, this is real life. He comes up against impossible odds. He takes us, weaklings, you know, sinners, people who are so selfish, you know, with the diff- various addictions, dependencies. And he says, you know what? I'm going to show my grace on this person. I'm going to show the world how strong I am, you know. And Paul said, okay. You know, and Paul, he, you know, he said, okay, do it, Lord. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I'm weak. All right. I get to see God's strength. You know, and I'm beginning to understand it just now, you know, that when we face these weaknesses, it's because God wants to show his strength, you know. And me and my wife, we kind of, we're learning, you know. But when we face a weakness, we think, like, what, what is God going to do now? You know, how is he going to come through here? Because it's not going to be us, that's for sure. And we actually kind of gives, gives us an excitement, an anticipation. And it gives us a comfort, you know. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to have it all together. You know, we have this idea that when we come to Christ, that everything's going to be fine now. You know, I had this problem, you know, and now I don't have this problem. Um, and, and God does that. You know, he does. I'm sure you have testimonies of, of you know, addictions or, or, or problems where God just in, in an instant took that away. And that's great. And, that, and it's a testimony to his grace. You know, there's things what, that God doesn't take away. There's weaknesses that we face each and every day. You know, uh, my brother, he's, um, and, he, I know, and he doesn't mind me sharing this, but, you know, growing up he had a problem with pornography. And God at one point dealt with that. And, and he was thinking, okay, it's over now. God dealt with it. But it came up again, and he got married, and, and he had to face it there. And, you know, he's, he's, he, and he was sharing with me and saying, you know, it was really for selfish reasons. I wanted God to take that away. I didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. And it was embarrassing. I wanted people to see that, you know, hey, I got it together. That God left that weakness with him that he might trust in him. And, and you know, he, I'm not saying he's, in, he's not in pornography, but he, he, knew, he always knows he has that weakness. He knows that it's right there. But, but also he's experienced God's grace in that area. You know, there's areas in your life that, Maybe you feel weak in, and you think, man, I've, I've been a Christian so long. Why is it still with me? You know, why do I have this tendency towards this? You know, I don't want this anymore. God, take it away. <laughs> and God says, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. I want to show the world my power. So you know what? It's so comforting. We can come to Jesus. We can come to church. You know, I'm looking at you, and I, I don't know you, but I'm sure there's, there's issues in your life. <laughs> there's issues in my life. We come as broken people every Sunday or, you know, as we come together, we come as broken people 
but we come to a Savior, a healer, one who understands us, one who just loves us like no one else does. Like I was in that example, you know, he is really, you know, of our children, he is the one parent that, that loves us, that wants the best for us. And my wife, she's probably the person um, who, who uh, loves me the, the most out of anybody, in the, any person. But, you know, even, even she, she, she is not perfect, right? She's, we're both sinners. We both are selfish. But God is the only person that loves us and that wants our best always, every moment. That, now, that should bring joy to our hearts. We serve a God that all the time wants our best. And he wants, us to, wants to show that goodness to the world. And actually, it's, it's the best way. You know, and, and, and Pastor Nick was talking about how you were out there sharing with Jesus with people. You know, and for some people, for me too, it's like to go out and to share Jesus with strangers, it, it strikes fear in my heart. You know, I'm not, I don't like to do that. Now, when I, when I get into it and I'm talking to somebody, I enjoy it. But the thought of going out there and telling somebody, you know, it's not comfortable for me. Or, and for some people, just they, their idea is that they have to have it together to be able to share with somebody their faith. You know, well, I, I can't share my faith with other people, you know, uh, because of this or that. You know, once I get it together, I can then, I can, I can tell my neighbor, my friend about Jesus because then, hey, I, I can point to them and say, look, you know, but you know what, that's not what the world needs. And actually, that actually drives people away if we, were, if we had that attitude. Like, oh, I have it together now. Why don't you come to Jesus? But actually, if we come to people and say, look, I experienced these weaknesses. I experienced these failures. But you know what? Jesus loves me. He's the one that fixes me. You know, and I fall, but he lifts me up. You know, I, um, that actually attracts people. When another person shares their, their faults with you, what does that do to you? Actually, it probably encourages you, right? I, I like to actually read about the faults of the apostles. I like to say, hey, Peter was just a guy like me. There, that means there's hope for me. You know, so when people see that we're broken, and, and, and what Jesus does with broken people, that attracts them to the Savior. They say, I want to come to a Savior like that who receives me as I am. So don't be afraid of that. Go, to the, go and be yourself. Be, your, be real to those people around you, to other Christians around you. Confess your, your faults. You know, be, admit where you fail. And because it, 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 it brings us closer to Jesus. It brings us closer to him. And actually, and Paul could say this then. He said, you know what? I will boast on my weaknesses. Can we do that? Do you ever do that? You say, hey, I bet I'm, I bet I'm weaker than you are. I bet I have it worse than you do. But, it, but Paul could because he wanted Jesus to be exalted. And he, and he could be content with, can you be content with these things? Now, I'm not, often not content with them. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. When we understand the grace of God, we can be content with that. We can, we can rest in that. It's not, not something we have to grit our teeth and say, I've got to make it through this. No, we can actually be content in it because we know God loves us. He accepts us, and he's doing it for our good. And uh, just in closing, I just want to just briefly share what's gone on in the Kiev church now. This past year, like I said, it's been hard, but you know what? God has poured out grace upon us and the church. I mean, I, I wish you could just see the church. You know, uh, they, they, had been, they were really hurting. Kind of legalism had crept in the church through this. But you know what? Now we see these people falling in love with Jesus more and more. And actually, one lady... After our national conference we had recently, um, where about 500 people came together from the different calvaries, she was saying, you know, I think revival is happening, you know. And I, I have to agree. I just see people just amazed at what Jesus has done for them, is doing for them. And we're excited to see what will happen. Um, there's, there's 23 calvaries now in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, the, the, my assistant pastor, who was also the assistant pastor of the, the pastor that fell, he was actually against us coming on at first. But then he, God touched his heart and he... Um, 
saw that we needed to come and pastor the church. Now we're best friends. And now he is just, I wish you could see him too, just full of joy, just full of grace for people. He's been preaching in my absence and um, um, doing such a great job. You know, and when I talked to him before we left, uh, we're going to begin transitioning things over to him. Um, we really feel that our, our job now is more uh, just to facilitate what God is doing there, to, to um, train pastors, train leaders. Um, we, we, are, we have a vision to see a lot more churches in Kiev. There's, Kiev. Kiev is a big city. It's 3 million people. You know, there could easily be 30 uh, churches there, more, more gospel-based churches and Calvary chapels. You know, so, and we have guys in the church that have a heart for it. So I want to be really more moving in that direction, uh, helping these young guys um, as they go out and start new works. And so you can pray for that. Um, uh, the, the church in, in Kiev is doing great. They're, they're ministering to, um, reaching out to Moldova, to Kurdistan. I mean, they have a mission's heart. So we, we feel so blessed there. We have, our, we have um, newsletters and prayer cards if you want to find out more about us. Uh, if you want to, we're on Facebook too if you want to join our prayer, uh, get on our prayer list. Uh, this is my wife, Sharon, and uh, I didn't introduce her first. We're wearing actually Ukrainian costumes and um, or clothing. Uh, so, um, and uh, actually we got to meet one of your Ukrainians here from church, Lilia. So, привіт. Um, I think that's it. So, but, but again, once again, thank you for having us and just for just your warm reception and we've been blessed. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.